0: I just want to thank you again for the opportunity to be here. Your pastor and I have been going back and forth this entire football season. I'm a Saints fan. He's a Cowboys fan. And just when I start bragging, we lose. And he's uh, quick to point that out. And, uh, but Cowboys always lose, so anyway, he gets old anyway. Uh, so, but I uh, uh, hope you had a good Christmas. Uh, my wife is in Little Rock. Yes, of course, that's where we're staying, still there. My wife, she stayed behind. My son is working. And, uh, and she has to drive him back and forth to work. Even though he's 17, he was late getting his license because we were in Belize, and in Arkansas, I you don't know how it is here in Texas side, but you have to have your learner's permit for six months before you get your regular license and drive by himself. And uh, and so we're still a few months off from that. Uh, Blair staying in Hope with some family there, and I'll pick her up and we head back home uh, later on. So uh, so they do send their love though. I uh, give you a quick update about uh, my ministry and my health. Uh, I had my first scan after, of course you, I'm sure you know, I had kidney cancer and my kidney removed back in August. had my first scan after surgery back first part of this month, December. Uh, when I had my scan prior to my surgery, they found 11 nodules on my left lung and eight on my right. And so I never had a CAT scan, so they didn't have anything to compare it to. They said it's just something we'll have to watch because everybody has spots on their lungs for various reasons. Uh, But that was quite a a few nodules. Anyway, uh, the the CT scan earlier this month showed that several of the nodules had increased in size. And so they sent me to do a PET scan. Well, the PET scan was inconclusive. uh, So now they called me Friday afternoon and informed me that I have to go in and have a biopsy of the spots on my lungs. Uh, when I don't know, I guess they'll call me tomorrow with a date uh, I don't know, so anyway, so uh, that was not the news that we wanted to hear, but in a way, I'm kind of glad that we're doing this so we can get a definitive answer of what this is, and do we have to worry about it. Uh, the doctor said he's told me several times because the type of cancer is really not a question of if, but when the cancer will return. so have to have the scans every three months for the next year or so, and then six months after that, really for next. 20, 25 years, I have to have scans, keep an eye on this. It doesn't respond well to chemo. The best we can hope is just catch it early and take the chemo pills to try to keep it from growing. So, uh, But we're praying that it doesn't come back. And so I also want you to pray as well. Uh, as far as my ministry goes, the work and believes are doing well. I spoke to some of them this past week. Uh, the church is going and, and just doing their thing. Uh, we're thankful for that. We have, uh, I'm not sure if you heard the update, because of my health and the fact that the church is established, it is going, uh, we have uh, decided not to go back to Belize. Uh, We'll be making one more trip, hopefully uh, later on in January, to wrap up things and send our personal things back, Uh, but uh, with the blessing of my sending church in Hamburg, Promised Land Church in Hamburg, uh, Arkansas, uh, they are behind, uh, behind me on this decision, understand, for quite some time. We've been praying. Anita and I have been wanting to go to Spanish language school. We want to learn Spanish. Uh, but we never had the opportunity because we lived in Belize. Belize was an English-speaking country, and we were working with English-speaking people. And so and there wasn't really a place to learn Spanish in Belize, even though we're right there by Guatemala. Uh, the opportunity never arose. For us to go to the language school, we'd have to leave the country. And we weren't ready to do that yet because of the work wasn't ready for us to be gone that amount of time. Well, we just prayed for God to open a door for us to go to language school. Well, this was not the door we expected Him to open. Uh, we found out I had cancer, but nonetheless, uh, we've looked at this. And there's a language school in Edinburgh, Texas, which is South Texas, out in Mission, McAllen, Texas, about 20 minutes from the border. It's uh, been there for many years. A lot of missionaries have gone through there, very conservative. Uh, language school. Uh, it's also a seminary, a Mexican seminary. Uh, as a language school that we've looked into, we've visited, and and we have prayed, and we're going to apply and try to uh, go there. It starts in August, and so I'll have several months of deputation trying to make sure we raise our support. Our support is still there and raising funds for the sem- for the school itself, for the language school. It's a nine-month school, and so uh and so we have a burden to work with Hispanic-speaking people, and you know as well as I do the tremendous need of that, even here in the states. And so where we're going after language school uh, really depends on the door open, the, the door that God opens, and also where my health is uh, at that time. But I do have a, a, a burden to work with Hispanic-speaking people, especially here in the states. And so, so that's something that we're praying about and uh, and aiming for. And so. Regardless of what's going on with my health, uh, we're still making plans to serve God and doing the best that we can. And we just pray that you continue to uh, pray for us. And uh, we would certainly appreciate it. This has been very trying for for my family and I, as you can imagine. I know you have people here in your church that's going through various types of cancer and treatment. Uh, Really, the unknown, the not knowing has been the worst part. Uh, It's just living on the egg, hearing good news and hearing bad news and good news and bad news. It's just about to drive us all crazy. But nonetheless, uh, God's been good to us and uh, my family, they've, they've held up well. And so I do appreciate the opportunity to be here. Hope you all had, as I said, a very good Christmas. Romans chapter 1, beginning reading in verse 1 through 7. Now we're going to look at a couple different verses here in Romans chapter 1. But Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets and the holy scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made in the seed of David according, made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to speak this morning, I want to title this message, A Man Can't Just Sit Around. A Man Just Can't Sit Around. The reason I titled that because there's a story I want to share with you. How many ever heard of a man named Larry Wal- uh, Walters? All right, Larry Walters. When Larry was 13 years old, he went to a local Army Navy store, surplus store, and he saw weather balloons hanging from the ceiling. This is a true story, by the way. It was then that he knew that someday he would be carried off by balloons. This obsession uh, would be with him for the next 20 years. On July the 2nd, 1982, Larry tied 45 helium-filled balloons to a Sears lawn chair in the backyard of his girlfriend's house in San Pedro, California. Now, with the help of the ground crew, and by ground crew, I mean his drunk buddies that were with him that day, Larry then secured himself into the lawn chair, where it was, which was anchored to the bumper of of a friend's car by two nylon tethers or ropes. He took with him many supplies. He took a BB gun to shoot the balloons when he was ready. He wanted to shoot the balloons out with the BB gun so he would gently float back down to earth. Now his goal was to rise above the neighborhood, float around for a few hours, and then land. So he took up with him some sandwiches, some more adult beverages, and the BB gun and binoculars so he could float up and look all around his neighborhood and then shoot the balloons out and come back down again. That was his plan. Well, uh, things didn't quite work out for Larry. After his crew purposely cut the first tether rope, the second one also snapped, which was to hold him in place, and it shot him into the skyline of Los Angeles. He went up a 1,000 feet Per minute, So fast was his ascent that he lost his glasses and he couldn't see. Some of you can relate to that. I have contacts on, so I know exactly what that means. He then climbed to over 16,000 feet in the air, sitting in a lawn chair with balloons. Now, for several hours, he drifted in the cold air near Los Angeles, the Los Angeles and the Long Beach airports. He was so afraid... He was hanging on. He he was afraid to let go. And so the BB gun was doing him no good at all. Now for several hours he drifted in the cold air and and a a TWA pilot first spotted Larry and he radioed to the tower that he was passing a guy in a lawn chair at 16,000 feet with a gun. Larry started shooting out a few balloons to start his descent, but he was so nervous and so cold that he dropped his gun. Now, he eventually landed in a Long Beach neighborhood, and although he was entangled in some power lines, he was relatively uninjured. Now, when he landed, the police and the news crew was there waiting for him. And when he asked, why would you do such a thing, he just simply replied, well, a man just can't sit around. Now, now that's a true story. Have you ever seen the, I don't know if it's a Disney movie or not, the movie Up? Okay, that's relatively based on, on Larry Walters. Larry's a great guy, you know, well, except for the one act of stupidity. I've been doing that. But anyway, now, he said never, a man just can't sit around. Well, now, I want you to think about that, especially as we're going in to the new year. Uh, never has the Bible taught that God's people are to just sit around. We've always had a job to do and in the days in which we live, friends, we can't just sit around. We can't just sit around. There is a world, there is a country, there is a state, there is a city, it is a neighborhood. There is a home somewhere that needs Christ. And people will not be saved, churches will not be established, and lives will not be changed if we just sit around and not do Anything. So, to make a difference, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Romans gives us some examples, I think, gives us an example of making a difference and how to make a difference and the and the, and the pattern that we should follow if we want to make a difference. And first of all, if we're going to make a difference, if we're not going to just sit around, but we're going to make a difference, we need to settle some things in our lives. You need to settle some things in your lives. In chapter one and verse one, notice it very simply says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, no, Paul very simply introduces himself at the beginning of this letter. He's writing to the church there at Rome. And he says, Paul, a servant of God, of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. There are some things that you and I need to, if we're going to do anything for God, there are some things that you and I need to settle in our mind and in our heart. And number one thing is, we need to settle whether or not we belong to Christ or not. You see, if you're not settled in your heart, whether or not you're a Christian or not, you're never going to do anything for God. And if you're not settling in your mind that you are a child of God, how can you expect to be used of God? Paul said in 2, Timothy's, uh, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, he says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, I am persuaded. Paul said, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am a child of God. And there are multitudes of people today that they don't have that peace of mind. Number one, they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. Therefore, they don't have that peace. They don't have that security. They don't have that that intimate knowledge of knowing that they are a child of God. And no matter what happens, they're going to heaven. Why? Because they've trusted in Christ as their Savior. But on the other hand, you've got saved people who haven't settled it in their mind either because they've got things going on in their life or maybe they've been taught or maybe they view their salvation like we view uh, other things that if we neglect it or we abuse it, we'll lose it. Well, we need to settle in our mind if we're a child of God, we are a child of God. And if we're not settling our mind, listen, you can't do anything for God. You're not going to do anything worthwhile. It's certainly not going to last if you're not settling your mind that you belong to Christ. And also need to understand that uh, we need to settle not only for, if we belong to Christ, but also we must know that we're sent by Christ. In First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, uh, let me get over here. One chapter off. First Timothy 1 and verse 12, Paul says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, I understand that Paul's talking about himself as a preacher, and he's writing to young Timothy, who's a preacher, and being sent by God, called by God to proclaim and preach the Word of God. But I want to tell you something. All of us who are saved, God sends us to a lost and dying world. The Great Commission was given to what? To the church. Not to a preacher. Not to a deacon. Not to a select few super saints. It was given to the church. And if you are a child of God, saved, baptized member of this church, you have a job. You you need to understand that God is sending you to reach the world. God is sending you to reach the people in your, in your, little, your little area, wherever you live, and your little piece of the earth that you live. God has placed you there for you to be a witness for Him. You can't just sit around. Because if we sit around, who's going to win those people to the Lord? Who's going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who's going to be a, a light in this dark, dark world? You can't, we can't just sit around if we're going to do anything with God, we need to settle in our mind whether or not we're a child of God or whether or not we've been sent by God. Now, here, let me just make it easier for you. If you're a child of God, God is sending you to be a witness. God is sending you to evangelize. So we must settle some things, but also we must know what our purpose is. Back over in Romans chapter 1, he says, in the latter part of verse 1, he says, Separate unto the gospel of God. Separated unto the gospel of God. Then he goes on to say, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. But I want you to go back to verse 1, the latter part of that. He says, separated unto the gospel of God. Paul's purpose Paul knew that his purpose was to make Christ known. Look in verse 14 and 15 in Romans 1. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Paul knew what his purpose was. He says, I'm a debtor. I'm in debt. I have an obligation to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, why? Because think about it. Paul never forgot. Here's the problem, I think, with a lot of, a lot of us who are saved. I think after a while, we forget that we were one time once lost. We were going to hell. We were separated from God. We had no hope at all. We may not have been bad people compared to the world, but we were still sinners in the eyes of God. We were not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, but yet someone cared enough to tell us about Jesus. Cared enough to pray about us, to pray for us, to pray with us. Someone cared enough to invite you to church. Someone cared enough to, sh- to share with you the love of Jesus Christ. And, and, and you believed what, you thought about what they said. And you, <coughs> excuse me, you, you thought about that. You recognized your condition before God and realized you had no hope at all. And you trusted in Christ as your Savior and you became a child of God. Nothing that you've done, there's no way you could do that. You can no more save yourself than you could stand in a bucket and pick yourself up. You can't do it. But yet here you set this morning a saved child of God because someone told you. Now the question is, who will you tell? Because you would not have gotten saved if someone had not shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. And no one else. Some, sometimes I think <laughs> that we think there's a plan B. <laughs> well, if I don't, someone else will. Maybe, just maybe they're okay. Listen, there's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. And if we don't share the gospel, how will a person ever be saved? Paul says, I'm in debt. You say, how was he in debt to the Greeks and the barbarians and the Jews? What do you mean he was in debt to them? He owed them. And we owe the world to be a witness. Paul's purpose was to make Christ known. But also Paul's purpose was to to make Christ known through the preaching of the gospel. Look there in verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, he talks about the, 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 uh, the foolishness of the cross. He says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which, is saved. which are saved, it is the power of God. Paul's purpose was to make Christ known, and it was to make Christ known through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I know churches, we, we do a lot of things. You know, we have meals. We have, uh, well, we don't call them Halloween things. What we call them? Harvest festival, whatever word, word, word we use. We have the Christmas things. We do uh, VBS and all these things here to, to reach out to the community and reach people and, and, and make our name known and things like that. And all that is great and wonderful and fine. But let me tell you something. The main purpose behind everything we do is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I can go down to Belize, and if you've been to Belize, if you've ever been to a third world country, even here in America, uh, even in the, uh, the, uh, the Navajos, there's a lot of poverty. I mean, a lot of people that are really suffering, that are hurt. They have, we may have no money in our pocket, but there are folks that have nothing at all. And, 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 and the, the human side uh, and this is one thing that we, I was always mindful of in Belize is you know, the human side of me, and even the American, you know, I think it's, it's an American thing as well. Uh, you know, we want to reach out and help people and help everyone that we can because we hate to see people do without, especially the younger they are, the, the harder it is. Uh, we, you know, we want to help people, and I'm not against that. And we help a, a lot of people in Belize. But the best thing we can do for someone is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I understand it's hard to hear the gospel when your belly's growling. I understand that. But folks, we must never lose sight that it is the the, the power of the gospel that changes lives. We must never forget that. So we must settle some things. If we're going to do anything for God, we must settle some things for God. We must know what our purpose is. And finally, we must recognize the late hour that we live in. Recognize the late hour that we live in. You see, we live in a day where mankind refuses to recognize God. Old Phil Robinson's been in the news lately. You know that? Old duck commander. Were you surprised at the outpouring of support that he received? I wonder all these people who boycotted A and E and all these things here spoke out. I wonder how many's in church this morning. <laughs> we live, but but you know, and everything he said was true. I mean, there's no doubt about that at all. It was a you know freedom of speech thing, and you know what he said, the Bible was true. I mean, but anybody who's ever watched the show and know anything about them should not have been surprised <laughs> that that what he said or what he believed. but but I think what the problem is, See, we've come to the point where mankind refuses to recognize God. Look there in verse 18, Romans chapter 1. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God; neither were thankful, but because, uh, but became vain in their uh, imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Verse 18, the word he says who hold. The word hold means to press down or to keep down, to keep, you know, to hold it down. Man, man refuses to view the evidence and refuses to even consider God. You see, we got all these, all these examples that God exists. The proof is in the heavens and everything else that God exists. But we have, we've come to the point now, and it's always been like this, even in Paul's day, but even more so today, that men refuse to recognize who God is. And so when you refuse to recognize God, you refuse to recognize the lawgiver. And you refuse to recognize the lawgiver, you refuse to recognize the law that the lawgiver has given. So therefore, when you refuse to recognize God, anything goes. And if you speak out against it, then you have the problem, not the person committing or breaking the law. This is where we are today. Mankind refuses to recognize God. This is where we are in our country today. This is where we are in the world today. And what is the result of this holding down or refusing to trust in God or believe in God or acknowledge God? Well, he said because <coughs> verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. And the end result is? Mankind rebels against God. You go on to read the rest of this chapter here about all the things, the envy and the murder and the bait and deceit and all these backbiters, haters of God, all these things here that Paul lists, the end result of rejecting God leads to a sinful nation. Now we look at our country today and we say, oh, listen, would you agree that our country is not as godly as it was in the past? Would you say in this country that we're more tolerant of uh, bad behavior than we've ever been? Sure you would. Now we can blame liberals, we can blame judges, we can blame all these people here and we're shocked and appalled by this and we ought to be. But, the, but here's the deal. <laughs> Mankind is just doing what God has said they will always do. And so when we look at the world that we're living in and Paul says <coughs> because they refuse to recognize God, and trust God, it leads to sinful behavior and it leads to the destruction of a nation. What is the answer to all of this? Paul says to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is, even, is, is, is needed more today. I don't want to say it's needed more than ever before because the gospel is always needed, but that's all it is. But, but I think if we look at the world today through the eyes of the Bible, we understand the important job that we have. So how do we deal with all the sinful sinfulness going on in the world? How do we deal with all the stuff here? Well, he, Paul gives us the answer in verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, it seems like that we're losing the battle. I remember years ago when my daughter Blair was quite a bit younger. We had a little, our neighbors, we lived in El Dorado. And she was friends, a little girl lived next door. And she told Taylor about Jesus. Told her how to be saved. Yeah, Blair's six, five, six, seven years old, something like that, seven, eight years old, something like that. Anyway, uh, told her how to be saved, why she needed to be saved, what she needed to do. Well, Taylor, just same age as Blair, just kind of, well, okay, you know, just being a kid, like, all right, you know. Blair came home upset. I said, what's wrong? She said, well, I I told Taylor about Jesus. I said, we said, well, that's good. Well, she didn't get saved. I said, well, you know, that's okay. We'll just pray for her. She said, no, she's supposed to get saved. I told her about Jesus. <laughs> so why did she get saved? I said, well, you know, it doesn't work like that. You know, we hope that it does. I mean, you just have to keep praying, working with them. Don't give up. Eventually Taylor was saved. But she was surprised that, you know, I share the gospel. It's the good news. <laughs> why didn't she get saved? You know, it was like a no-brainer to her. You know, uh, you know, why do this? Why Or why not? It, and And sometimes we get discouraged because we try to talk to people and they don't listen to us. We get discouraged because we invite them to church. They don't come to church. We get discouraged because they give up, they quit, they stop. And we think, why bother? The world's so bad, people are not going to listen. Well, all I know is this. If we don't tell them about Jesus, they never will be saved. So our job is not to count people getting saved. Our job is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and let God Deal with them. Let me give you just one example, and we'll close. <clears throat> when I first went to Belize, there was a another missionary family living there, uh, part of our work that we were friends with. And where they had lived to start with, uh, they became friends with this Mayan family, uh, just good friends. And I, we became friends with them and things like that. Well, I had, that little boy there named Rito. I don't know if you ever, I don't know. If, probably didn't meet Rito. Anyway. Uh, just worked with Rito. Rito was a teenage boy. Worked with him. Worked with him. Worked with him. We you know we were just friends with him, and we you know he was one of the boys. we could trust him. He stayed. As a matter of fact, he's staying in my house now while I'm here, while we're here in the states. Uh, but Rito had a lot, of, you know, a lot of peer pressure influence. Every time he'd start trying to do something for God, his friends would step in and uh, uh, and just you know give him a hard time, and he'd always, you know, he'd get in church, he'd fall out, you know, he'd get back in church, he'd, he'd get out of church, he'd get in church for a month, he'd lay out for three months, you know, that type of thing there, and, uh, but we're always, you know, all, he was honest, and so he you know, always worked with him, and always a friend, you know, every time he needed to talk, we talk, whatever, uh, well, he stayed at my, he stayed at my house a few times, and as I said, he's staying there now, well, I went back to Belize back in November, the types of think we weren't planning on being gone this long, so we had Went back and did some things. Anyway, I was talking with Rito, and, and he stayed upstairs. So you know how it is. All my books and stuff's upstairs. That's where we had classes and things like that. Well, he didn't have, I, I cut the cable and everything off and stuff like that. Uh, and so all he had to do was read. All my different books and things like that. And he's always, you know, he'd, he, he'll email me or call me or text me. He says, I'm reading this book here. I said, okay, good, you know. He said, I'm reading this book. They, you know, it's a typical preacher, I've got a bunch of books I've never really <laughs> actually read. Like I keep telling my wife I do. But anyway, uh, he's reading all these books. And he told me, he said, when I came back, he said, he said Brother Joe, he said, I've realized something. And I said, what's that? He said, he said, if I'm going to serve God, he said, I can't wait on my friends. He said, I have to make up my mind to do that. I said, yes, Rito, you do. And so we talked some more and prayed. Well, before I left, last month, I baptized Rito. He joined the church. and He's been working in the church. He helps with the music because he plays guitar. I gave him a guitar and things like that. And so what I'm saying is God has just called us to do a work. If we just do the work God has called us to do, let God work in the hearts of the people. All we do is share the gospel. We can't just sit around, folks. Like the old saying, if not now, then when? If not you, then who? We can't just sit around. And as we go into this new year, what are you going to do? You know, I I didn't realize how good of a time I was having with my life because I've always heard time flies, you're having fun. 2013 went by like that. Hasn't seemed that fun to me. This has been a rough year. (laughs) But apparently, I don't want to say I'm getting older because time flies when you get older. I'm just thinking I'm having a lot of fun. I don't know about. But if 2013 went by fast, listen, do you realize we're just a few hours away from 2014? What are we going to do for God this year? Settle some things in your mind this morning. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, why not trust in Him? Why not believe that He died on the realize He died on the cross for your sins, paid the ultimate price that you might have a home in heaven, and ask for forgiveness of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and to save you. If you are saved, it's time for you to be united with this church through letter or baptism. Join this church and serve God through this church. You want to know God's will for your life in 2014? I'm going to be a prophet. Here I go. God's will for your life is to be saved, join the church, serve Him. That's God's will for your life 2014. If you do those three things, you'll be amazed at what God can do through this church. You realize that every one of you won one person to the Lord this year, next year? This time next year, it'd be doubled in attendance. What is it God would have you to do? You can't just sit around.